Hi everyone, this is Dr. Margaret Paul with the Inner Bonding Podcast. And today I want to talk about the issue of dating, about red flags, promising signs, and tips that will be very helpful to you on the dating scene. So my client Celine was just starting to date again after she experienced a very difficult breakup. She was feeling quite anxious because she didn't want to go through another unhappy relationship. But she didn't trust herself to make good choices. She sought my help in learning how to discern a promising relationship from one that is bound to fail. In Celine's last relationship, she'd been pulled in by Gary's ardent pursuit of her. She had wanted to go slower, but she didn't listen to herself. Instead, she gave herself up to Gary's attention and compliments. Celine, I told her, my experience with men who come on strong right away is that they're often controlling and needy. Is that what happened with Gary? Yes, she said. He seemed so loving and open at the beginning, but once we were in a committed relationship, he started to pull on me for time and attention. He became critical and angry and petulant when I didn't give him what he wanted. How could I have known all this at the beginning? What should I look for now that I'm dating again? Celine had gone on one date with a man named Mark. After this first date, Mark emailed her, saying he wanted to spend a lot of time with her and go on, on a trip with her. Shades of Gary, she said. This is a red flag, right? Celine and I then explored some of the red flags as well as some of the signs of a promising relationship. So here are some of the red flags that you might want to be aware of if you're dating. One is, of course, that the person comes on strong at the very beginning of the relationship. And he might then become angry and critical or withdraw if, after a while, you start saying no. You know, at at the beginning of a relationship, we're often vulnerable to the kind of compliments that that the date might be giving you. If you're not taking loving care of yourself, then and you're not really seeing yourself, you're going to be vulnerable to somebody who seems to see you. And so then, of course, if you give yourself up and then you don't do that, they're going to get angry um, if if they're you know more on the narcissistic end of the relationship system. So. Uh, Here's another red flag. The person becomes logical and tries to talk you out of your feelings or your experience, tries to make you feel that you're wrong for your feelings or for your position about something. Now, here's another one. The person talks on and on about himself or herself and doesn't ask you much about you or doesn't seem interested when you do talk about yourself. Or this person might be an older man or woman who's never been married and has been in a series of broken relationships. That does not bode well for somebody who's, you know, who you want to be good relationship material. Or they've had a lot of broken marriages and they think it's always the other person's fault. Um, Or if they've had an abusive background, if you find out they've had an abusive background and have not had therapy, because we all bring our baggage but especially if there's been abuse, we need to do healing work before we're going to be able to be in a loving relationship. Here's another red flag. Somebody who has abandoned his or her children. 
do you really want to be in a relationship with somebody who doesn't have caring for their children? Um, and then another one, which may take you time to see, is that the person is not open to learning when there's conflict in the relationship. And this is essential. There's always going to be conflict. So, of course, both people need to be open to learning. And if the person um, has addictions that are not acceptable to you, like smoking or drinking or drugs or addictive eating or gambling or television or things like that, uh, if they're not acceptable to you, don't be in the relationship. Just don't expect that the person's going to change. If the person is financially irresponsible, that's a big red flag, especially if they ask you to loan them money. I really, really want to caution you not to do that, not to loan people money. I've had many clients who have been burned by that. And then, of course, if you find out that they're not honest, not truthful, that's not a relationship um, that, that you want to be in. Um, if they get possessive, they get jealous, they get upset when you do your own thing, if you have totally different views uh, regarding religion and spirituality, th this can become a big problem. If the person doesn't have um, many interests and they don't have close friends, these are things that you want to notice because that does not bode well for a loving relationship. So, Selena and I discussed the fact that I've often said you get what you see. And it's not that people can't change, I said to her, but you can't change them. If he's not okay with you the way he is right now, then don't pursue the relationship. If like, for example, if if you're an on-time person and that's important to you and that and he's always late, then don't expect this to change. And if it's not okay, then don't pursue the relationship. Same thing with things like weight or, or alcohol or drugs or being neat or messy, being a free spender or being frugal. These can become huge issues in relationships. They might not seem so at the beginning if you're really attracted to somebody, but they can become huge issues in a relationship. Um, again, don't expect them to change. So then we explored some of the signs of a promising relationship, what to look for. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about those now. The person shows respect for your feelings and needs even when they're different from his or her feelings and needs. And this one is really important. The person is able to be empathic and compassionate. Not just act it, but you can feel that they, they, they can feel into you. They can feel your feelings. Um, you, you, you want uh, somebody who uh, is caring empathic and compassionate, not just somebody who's acting that way. Um, and someone who's interested in what you have to say and in learning about you. Someone who's accepting of themselves and others, who's basically a non-judgmental person, is open to exploring conflict and differences of opinion. Someone who does what they say they're going to do. Someone who cares about being responsible for children from a broken marriage, hasn't abandoned their children and someone who hopefully takes responsibility for their feelings, their health and well-being, or at least is open to learning about doing that and doesn't make you responsible for their feelings. Someone who's financially responsible doesn't expect you to take care of them financially. They don't have to make a lot of money. That's up to you what you want in a relationship. But at least they're responsible about it. 
and if they're divorced, they they understand they're part of the system. They take responsibility. They're not just blaming their ex or their exes. Now, a person who is generally good relationship material is someone who's been in a loving relationship, but maybe they lost their mate to death. Those people generally know how to have loving relationships. And this person has friends that you like, um, talks about others in caring and supportive ways, has interests and hobbies that are fulfilling to them, similar spiritual or religious uh, values, similar path as yours, and is supportive of what brings you joy, feels joy for your joy and pain for your pain, and can laugh at their mistakes, has a good sense of humor, and has balance between work and play, knows how to work hard, and how to have fun. Now, before you can find the right person, of course you need to become the right person. Doing your own inner bonding work so that you fit these descriptions of a promising relationship is the first step in finding a loving relationship. Now, dating can be very challenging for many people. <clears throat> My client, Franklin, asked, I'm 68 years old, I was married for 27 years, and I've now been divorced for 15 years. I fell in love with a woman after only three months of dating, but she's disengaging by being incommunicado. I'm mystified since things were going so well, then suddenly she's not available. What should I do? <clears throat> what I said to Franklin is that as hard as it is, there's nothing you can do about her disengaging from you. <clears throat> Excuse me. You need to be very compassionate towards your own heartbreak. Generally, people who do this, uh, they're scared. They get scared of intimacy. And there's two major reasons why they get scared. The first reason is that they have a fear of engulfment, a fear of losing themselves. And so when the relationship gets closer like realizing you have fallen in love with her, they run away. And, and this actually has nothing to do with you. This is their fear of losing themselves. The second reason is that you falling in love after only three months may indicate some neediness on your part. You might have made her responsible for your sense of worth, your happiness and safety. She might have felt pulled on by you um, to caretake you, and if this is the case, then she might be disengaging rather than deal with this. But in either case, the fact that she's not communicating may indicate that she's unwilling to hang in through difficulties and learn from them. This is important information about her. There's always going to be difficulties, and you want a partner who's going to hang in through them and learn rather than just leave. So as hard as it is for Franklin to let go, he needs to accept that he can't create a relationship with someone who doesn't communicate and who instead runs away. Daniela wrote this in our community, in her bonding village. She said, I've had several occasions in a row where I've been in the early stages of dating someone or communicating online with a view to arranging a date and things have gone the same way. Each time the guys have seemed nice, open, and interested in me. They've paid me compliments and seemed genuine. 
Then the communication tails off. The, the text messages become less frequent and then stop. I don't chase or become needy when this happens. A few times I've waited a while, then sent a message asking if they've lost interest and saying it's okay if they have, but I would just like to know. They've responded sounding all interested again, and then it trails off again. I'm already doing work on myself and my own feelings around relationships, but I'm just wondering what's your take on why I'm currently attracting this behavior in men. What I said to her is that she needs to accept that in the dating world, this is very common, and it's best not to take it personally. Take it as information about the person and move on. Danielle is not necessarily attracting this. It's just that there are many people in the dating world that are like this. One of the members of Inner Bonding Village gave this helpful response. I too have been doing the online dating thing, and thank God I've, I have inner bonding while doing this, and I also can relate to what you're saying. I actually became very leery of someone who comes on very strong with compliments as they don't feel genuine. And how could they be? The biggest thing to keep in mind is to not take any of this personally and just have fun with it. The minute there's an attachment is when the wound itself kicks in, and that's what makes it feel awful. If someone does not keep up communication, that's a huge message in itself. And that really is about them, not you. And I'm sure that's not the type of person you'd be looking for anyway. Have fun and don't take it too seriously. So obviously there's much to learn in dating. If you can learn to not take others' rejection personally, that's a huge learning. If you can learn that you're helpless over others' choices, and that their choices are information about them, that's another huge learning. Learning about whether or not you're making others responsible for your sense of worth and learning to take responsibility for your own feelings is the biggest learning of all. Aiden decided to consult with me because he wanted to get married and have a family. He was a handsome man in his mid-30s, and it was certainly not obvious at first glance why he could not find a partner. But it did not take me very long to understand why relationships were not working for Aiden. <clears throat> being with Aiden felt like being alone. <clears throat> he was so not present as to practically be invisible. Aiden, I asked him, what are you feeling right now? I don't know, he said. Aiden, please move your focus out of your head and into your body. Breathe into your body. Notice any sensations in your body, which of course is step one of inner bonding. Aiden breathed. A few minutes later, he told me that he felt nervous. Aiden, imagine that the nervousness is a child inside you, your feeling self. I'd like you to notice what you're telling this child that's causing him to feel nervous. I'm telling him that he has to say the right thing so that you're going to like me. So when you tell yourself that you have to perform right in order to get my approval, you end up feeling nervous. What are you telling yourself about why it's so important to get my, my approval? I guess I'm telling myself that if you like me and approve of me, then I'm okay. Aiden, I'd like you to imagine that your inner child, your feeling self, is an actual child. Imagine that you have a little boy 
who's just like you were as a child. How would this little boy feel if you kept telling him that others had to like him for him to be okay? How would he feel if you kept handing him away to someone else for acceptance and approval? I think he would feel rejected and abandoned by me. I think he would not feel very good about himself if I kept rejecting him, Aiden said. Yes, and that's exactly what's happening on, on the inner level. You're handing away your inner child for others to define as okay. But the very act of handing him away is causing you to feel low self-worth. And how attractive do you think a woman finds you when you're approaching her from this neediness, this need for her to approve of you in order for you to feel okay? Well, obviously, he said, women don't find this attractive. But I didn't know I was doing this, and I don't know what to do about it. The first thing you need to do is learn and practice inner bonding, starting with step one, practicing moving your focus out of your head and into your body, into your feelings. Your inner child feels valued by you when you pay attention to him, which means paying attention to your feelings. Your anxious, nervous, fearful feelings are letting you know that you're abandoning yourself and telling yourself that you have to perform right, say the right thing in order to be okay. Your happy and peaceful feelings tell you that you're connecting with yourself and taking loving care of yourself. When you keep your focus in your mind rather than your body, you don't know when you're rejecting yourself. Aiden did start to practice inner bonding, noticing his feelings and noticing what he was telling himself that was causing his anxiety and nervousness. The more he noticed and shifted his thinking about himself, the better he started to feel. Within a few months of practicing inner bonding quite diligently, learning to define himself and take care of himself, instead of handing himself over to others to define, Aiden found himself dating two women that he liked. The last time I spoke with him, he was in an exclusive relationship with one of the women, apparently much to the dismay of the other woman. Now, some people who had at least one failed relationship may have fears of a new relationship. Katie had not been in a relationship in 10 years, and she was scared. In her last relationship, she had lost herself completely and then felt devastated when her boyfriend of three years left her for another woman. After working on herself emotionally and spiritually for a few years, Katie, now 48, felt she was ready for a new relationship. So she joined an online dating service and promptly met Sean, who seemed too good to be true. He was warm and compassionate, intelligent, and also on a personal and spiritual growth path. Sean was 55, and he was an available man. Now Katie's fears that she would not meet someone turned to fears of, of again being in a relationship and getting hurt. Katie had learned how to take care of loving herself when she was alone or with friends. But doing this with a man was another matter. She had never actually taken care of herself in any of her romantic relationships. And she was very worried that she would let herself down again. Katie wanted some guidelines regarding loving actions she could take for herself as she started to explore the relationship with Sean 
and now I'm going to share these with you. First is stay focused inside your own body, noticing and taking responsibility for your own feelings rather than just being tuned into the other person's feelings, which again is step one of inner bonding. Stay conscious of not taking responsibility for the other person's feelings of worth or security and not making the other person responsible for your feelings of worth and security. Next, make a solid decision before getting together with the other person that you're willing to lose the other person rather than lose yourself. Make a conscious decision to not make the other person's wants, needs, and feelings more important than your own. And stay clear on your own truth, not letting the other person talk you in or out of what feels good or right for you. Be willing to take full responsibility for behaving in a way that makes you feel worthy and safe and powerful. Be willing to be who you really are rather than trying to impress. Make a conscious decision that being in integrity with who you really are is more important than getting the other person's approval. Do not disregard the big or small things that you find difficult, intolerable, or unacceptable. If something is unacceptable or intolerable to you early in the relationship, the chances are that it's not going to get better. Do not convince yourself that because there are so many good things about this person, you can overlook the problems or get the other person to change. This just doesn't work. It's most important to remember as you move into exploring a new relationship is to let love be your guide, not fear. This means that you need to be open to learning about what's most loving to you, what is really in your highest good, rather than trying to have control over not being rejected or being controlled by the other person. And keep asking your inner guidance, what is the loving action toward myself right now? What is in my highest good right now, which is part of step four of inner bonding. If you keep asking this question, you're going to find your way through exploring a new relationship without losing yourself and without getting hurt by the other person. Now, another issue for many people is about when to have sex in a new relationship. Joni, who was 52, had been dating Ken, who was 56, for a few months when they went away together for a weekend. Till that time, Joni had chosen not to have sex with Ken. While she knew that she and Ken were not in love with each other, she felt that they really enjoyed each other's company. They had a lot in common, and Ken was the most interesting man that Joni had met in quite a while. She decided to sleep with him because she felt that they had a good chance of developing a loving relationship. However, after that weekend, Ken informed her that he needed some space from the relationship. Joni was shocked and dismayed. While she knew that the sex had not been passionate, she thought, she, she thought there was enough in the relationship to keep seeing each other. She could not understand why Ken had so abruptly pulled away. When she questioned Ken about it, he just said that he knew she was not the right one for him. So Joni contacted me for a session to try and understand what happened. Have you seen this happen before, she asked me. 
Oh, yes, I said, many, many times. Why did it happen? We were doing so well together. Joni, I said, the problem is having sex before having developed a deep level of caring between you. Why is this such a problem? She asked. If sex is really great at the beginning of a relationship, then it's often compelling enough for people to hang in and perhaps develop deep, deep caring. But if the sex is mediocre and there's not enough juice to sustain the relationship without the deep level of caring, it's probably not going to go anywhere. If you've been together long enough for love and caring and emotional intimacy to have developed, then the relationship can progress toward good sex, even if the sex isn't so great at the beginning. And there's a much better chance for great sex when it's an expression of love than when it's more casual. But she said, I was willing to keep developing the relationship even though the sex wasn't great. Why wasn't he? You and Ken are different, I said. Obviously, for him, the sex is very important. If he'd been deeply connected with you, he might have hung in there. But for him, mediocre sex combined with not having the deep emotional connection and caring between you means to him that you're not the right woman for him. This is not an uncommon situation, which is why I encourage people I work with to not have sex until you're certain of the love, the caring, and the commitment in the relationship. Oh, she said, I wish I'd known that. Are you saying that if we had not had sex for a much longer time, that the caring might have been deep enough to sustain us through not great sex? Well, I said, either that would have happened or the deep caring and connection would never have developed and you would not have put yourself in the position of having sex only to then lose the relationship. Yes, she said, and I would not be feeling nearly as badly if I had not had sex. Once I have sex, I get really attached to a man. I can see that I need to be far more careful about putting myself in that position. I thought I was doing great waiting a few months, but I can see it's not so much a matter of time, but a matter of the depth of caring and connection. I knew that we didn't have that level of caring, but I thought that enough time had elapsed that it was okay to have sex. Now I see that the caring is the issue. I'm not going to do that again. You know, dating is always challenging. So I do hope that this information about dating will be helpful to you. Whether or not you're in a relationship, you might want to take my 30-day course, Wildly, Deeply, Joyously in Love. There's so much good information in that course about relationships. And if it's hard for you to take loving care of yourself in a relationship, I hope you take my 30-day Love Yourself course, which you can either do on your own or live with my help. The live course starts soon, June 30th, and you can find out about it at innerbonding.com. Just scroll down to recent offerings. I send you my love and my blessings.